Good morning. Happy Saturday. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and it's been a minute. Today is Saturday, October 23rd, 2021, and I want to talk with you a little bit today about the series we're going to kick off in November, and I am super excited about it because it is such a hot topic right now. It is so present in our national and international conscience right now, and that is this topic of cancel culture. Cancel culture. Boy, am I in the thick of trying to be canceled right now, but I'll get to that in a moment. Um, In this series, I've got some great guests lined up, some amazing authors of some amazing books that you need to read, books about the foundations of free thought, free speech, because they're very different, folks. Free speech is one of our most valued values in the Constitution. But free speech is not unlimited. Of course not. You can't. You can be hateful to people. You can do that if you want. But sure, there should be social consequences for that. Um, You can't just run into a crowded theater or a hotel and yell out fire and cause people to harm themselves and and maybe uh, have threat to bodily injury, etc. and not be held accountable for that. So free thought is really, I think, the new buzzword, the new important phraseology. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, I'm in academia now, as well as being an author and a pundit and a journalist and all those things that I do. But I have been an adjunct professor now at Christopher Newport University, as well as now uh, my great honor to be a scholar in residence. And I got myself into some serious trouble uh, over the past couple of weeks over a tweet that some of you have seen. Um, it was about the DC comic books announcing that they were going to have Superman and Lois Lane's son be uh, bisexual and come out bisexual and uh, not thinking, not remembering that I am in an academic setting now and that I do have students that I love and adore. And, and thank you, by the way, to the students who are listening, who've sent me text, who sent me emails, who DM'd me on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, as well as faculty for Uh, encouraging me and reminding me to stand in the person that you know me to be, the person that my friends and family know me to be, that my LGBTQ colleagues in the media, uh, in the law firm I worked in, in Congress, and uh, my friends and family uh, who are LGBTQ, who know me and love me, know that uh, I was being me on Twitter I didn't think through that I was asking a question that was a thoughtful question about how would Christian parents explain to their children or teens reading a comic book that had a character that was now identifying sexually. And I was real clear in my tweets that my objection was more than just to someone's uh, being LGBTQ, et cetera. It wasn't that at all. It was heterosexuality. I said there shouldn't be a Christian character. You got to read everything that people say. You can't take one tweet, folks, and try to destroy somebody's reputation, destroy their life, destroy their livelihood, attack them, berate them, bully them, and demean them. And that is exactly what I've been experiencing. And I've been quiet about it because I was asked to be. I've been quiet about it because I want the students to have their voices heard. I don't have a problem with the students. The students are students. We want them to... uh, protest if they want to. We want them to speak up. We want them to have feelings about things. But we also, as faculty and as professors and parents and aunts and uncles, want to teach our young people that 
Life is going to do a lot of things to you that are going to upset you, piss you off, hurt your feelings. And it's how you respond to it that is going to determine the outcome that you're going to get as a result of how you respond to it. Those of us who've lived some life know that that is real. And so in this new series that we're going to kick off, Cancel Culture versus Call Out Culture versus Calling In Culture, I think that uh, we're going to get a lot done and we're going to have some great guests and I'm going to be balanced because I always am. I'm going to have on um, some LGBTQ activists uh, and I had an opportunity to sit with Ricky Wilchins, uh, who is a prominent LGBTQ activist uh, out of Miami, Florida. She happens to be married to one of my longtime friends uh, that I worked for Governor Christy Whitman with back in the uh, 1990s. Uh, and, um, she has a twin sister who's one of my good friends who's actually been working on something uh, with me, uh, at CNU, uh, one of the projects that we have there. And when I saw that this was going in the wrong direction and I saw that I made a serious error and I wanted to correct it and I wanted to talk about it, one of the things that I did, uh, and I haven't yet responded publicly. This is probably my first time talking about this in two weeks. I will have an open letter, uh, soon um, to the CNU community. I will do a Q&A with students and faculty and staff, uh, both in writing and in person when I get to campus next month. I've had some medical stuff I've had to tend to. So this hasn't been easy to uh, be the subject of such hatefulness, such unkindness, such um, it's bullying. It is uh, trying to silence me, trying to cancel me, trying to get rid of me. And I haven't even spoken a word yet and defended myself. That shouldn't be acceptable to any of us anywhere at any time because we always want to hear both sides. We always want to have dialogue. We always want to talk before we try to banish someone or ruin someone. That's never the right way. And I also feel very strongly as this is happening at college campuses all over the United States of America and in the UK that I want to applaud Princeton University for the professor who's uh, MIT lecture was canceled, uh, the geo, uh, spatial, whatever. He's a genius. And this professor, I forget his name, um, but he's a real genius. And he was supposed to give a lecture at MIT and they canceled it because of some comments he had made about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And Princeton said, no, no, not so fast. We're going to invite him here. And uh, the last count I saw, Princeton has 8,000 people registered for this online event. They normally have about five or 600 and kudos to Princeton and kudos to Yale and some of the other schools as well as to Suffolk University in UK that are standing up against this chilling effect on free thought. It's not so much free speech as it is. I have the right to think what I think, to believe what I believe, as do you. Our rights are not subservient to one another. Our rights are equal to one another. We are human beings. We are uh we are on equal footing. And until we can reckon with that, we're going to continue to have these kind of eruptions and disturbances. And it's really polarizing our country and it's really ripping us apart in ways that are not helpful. Uh, you know, if you look at the January 6th insurrection here in the United States of America, it's appalling. It was disgusting. It was an assault on democracy, the worst since the War of 1812, the first time our capital had been breached. A Confederate flag flag flying in the Capitol for the first time ever in the history of our country. 
it was a it was a horrifying day. I remember watching it as many of you did and, and feeling my heart sink. Like what in the hell is happening in my country? And yet when I step back and I see what's going on and I see how polarized we are and how tribal we are and how factionalized we are and the black Americans are over here and we're upset about stuff and the LGBTQ Americans are over here and they're upset about stuff and the Asian Americans are over here and they're dealing with stuff and 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 the white nationalists are upset and the white grievance is upset and 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 they're dealing with stuff and and you could go through each and every group and we've put ourselves into groups now instead of into that one big basket of eplorbus unum out of many one where our founding fathers got it right. They knew that there would be dissent. They knew that there would be disagreement and they encouraged it. They, they believed in it and they understood that that healthy tension was something we all needed because it keeps us on our toes. It makes us think. I want to open with a with a quote uh, this morning from uh, a great book that you need to read, uh, that we all need to read. And I'm working diligently to get the authors of The Coddling of the American Mind onto this podcast. I've already got uh, Tom Ricks uh, set up for next month and some other great folks who are experts in democracy. I'm hoping to... Um, get these guys on because this book is incredible. I couldn't put it down. And one of the quotes that really hit me among many was one uh, talking about universities because this is happening on our college campuses. And it's okay that it's happening if we're dialoguing, if we're talking, if we're pushing, if we're prodding, if we're, we're shaking each other up and making us step out of our boxes and think, okay, maybe I didn't see it that way and maybe I didn't understand it that way. So let's talk about it and let's see where we can find a safe space for both of us to be. But this quote is really good. He says, Greg Lukanoff writes this and he says, quote, the notion that a university should protect all of its students from ideas that some of them find offensive is a repudiation of the legacy of Socrates, who described himself as the gadfly of the Athenian people. He thought it was his job to sting, to disturb, to question, and thereby to provoke his fellow Athenians to think through their current beliefs and change the ones they could not defend, end quote. What a powerful statement. We as Americans, going back to our constitution and to our declaration, we've adopted a lot of the Greeks, we adopted a lot of the great thought leaders and philosophers and political philosophers into our documents. Socrates, if you went to law school as I did and learned the Socratic method, then you understand that it is a method of poking and prodding. It is to push you to your limits, to make you question and consider things that maybe you hadn't considered before. And that's the type of university I want to be a part of. That's the kind of learning I want my nieces to thrive in and you want your kids to thrive in. I don't want to silence anybody. I don't want to shut down debate with anybody ever because the moment we stop doing that, the moment that we get our feelings hurt, the moment that me as a black woman, man, I could spend my whole freaking life being offended. I'm over 50 years old. I know what racism is. I know what sexism is. I've lived it. I am a black female attorney. I have been the first at many things, walked through the door first for the first woman, the first woman of color, and I hope to do more. But at the end of the day, I had to bite my tongue a lot. 
I had to sit with things that were unkind, uncomfortable, hurtful. Maybe I went home and I cried. I had to tolerate the intolerable. And I don't want this new generation to have to do that. But I want them to be able to think and to reason and to not react on their emotions. Because if they do, they will miss the blessing. They'll miss the silver lining. They'll miss the gift of free thought and free debate and academic freedom, which we must hold sacrosanct as faculty, as staff, as, as teachers, as professors, as, as corporate leaders, as industry leaders, as academic leaders. We have to put a stake in the ground that we're going to create places where everybody has a seat at the table, not just some, not some people's rights superior to other rights. That's a problem. Let's talk a little bit about Dave Chappelle and Netflix because that is the hot topic of the day, the canceling of of those trying to cancel Dave Chappelle. Kudos to Netflix for not doing that. But Netflix got some stuff wrong, and I've been on the record of this as well. The the transgender woman who had the ERG group and who uh, set up the protest had a right to do that. She never should have been fired. I was very vocal about that. Funny how my critics don't pick up on that, though. We'll, We'll get back to that. But she shouldn't have been fired. I was glad that she got her job back because she has a right to protest. She has a right to organize her group, the LGBTG group, the ERG group there. And they have a right to protest as they did. Good for them. And I'm glad she got her job back. We don't clamp down on free thought and free speech and free assembly. Not in the United States of America. I was likewise glad that Netflix stood its ground and said, and by the way, I find Dave Chappelle enormously offensive. I'm not a big fan of his comedy. I I did watch uh, The Closer because there was so much controversy about it. Uh, It was hard to watch because the cursing, there was so much cursing. And I was so offended by his opening monologue. Uh, uh, You know, there stuff about molestation, women. He's offensive to everybody. But he's popular. People like him. People like to listen to him. So Netflix decided for their platform they were going to give him that space And I'm glad they did. Again, I have never once written a letter to anybody anywhere, uh, to somebody's employer saying, fire them, get rid of them, because I don't like what they had to say, because that's utterly ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Why would I do such a thing? I'd like to debate it. I might like to argue about it. We might get into a screaming match about it, but that's okay, because that's what you want to encourage. And that's what we as adults are not modeling to this new generation of young people. We have taught them, and look, I've seen this in my own family. This isn't just a matter of what we're doing on universities. We have created uh, another great quote from Greg Lukanoff in uh, The Coddling of the American Mind. Quote, a culture that allows the concept of safety to creep so far that it equates emotional discomfort with physical danger is a culture that encourages people to systematically protect one another from the very experiences embedded in daily life that they need in order to become strong and healthy. End quote. Folks, I've been a victim of this. And I have not been a happy camper for the last nine days or so because I have not been able to talk. I have not been able to engage. Some of that is because we couldn't set up the forums that we wanted on campus as fast as we wanted. The moment my tweet hit and I was told that it was upsetting some students and faculty, I immediately took it down. I issued not one but two apologies, which they did not like and found more offensive 
I was doing the best I could with 180 characters on Twitter, knowing that I would get on campus and be able to talk to people in real time and sit down with them. And yes, an apology, frankly, is not enough. It's got to go further than that. When we've caused offense or harm, we need to, yes, apologize sincerely by looking people in the eye and hearing how what we said or did hurt them. But then we need to go about the process of restitution, right? Of making amends, of doing something different, of changing. That's what we should be striving towards, folks. To hell with this tolerance foolishness. How about some acceptance? Let's accept each other and let's learn to agree to disagree on the things we disagree on and focus on the stuff that we have in common that make us Americans, that we can build on and that we could walk through together. But we are raising a generation that we coddle. I've seen it, like I said, in the family. You say something they don't like, the shaking starts, the crying starts, the you're bullying me, you're harassing me. No, I'm correcting you. I had to be corrected. You do not get successful in this life, friends. Young people hear me on this. We've done this to you. We're the problem. We have not taught you that this is a tough, mean, nasty world. And it's a lot meaner and a lot nastier than when I was your age and when I was in college. It's a lot more dangerous because we have this thing called the internet and we have this instantaneous thing at our disposal, at our fingertips, where we can ruin somebody's livelihood. No one should ever be after my livelihood or me after theirs. No one should ever be after my character and, and trying to define who I am because they're pissed off at me. I got this raging, awful email from an alum, and she's young. But one, I thought it was brazen that, that she wrote what she did, but that she had the audacity to copy me. In some ways, I guess I admire that because at least she was talking about me in front of me to others. But, you know, as I reflected on her words, she's attacking my character. She's saying I have no honor. She's lecturing me a 55 almost year old black woman about marginalization and she's all of maybe early 20s and I'm thinking to myself wow this is really bad one it's completely disrespectful and I don't know why I'm being talked to like this because this person doesn't know me from Adam but more importantly she's dissecting me as if she knows me and she's met me because she doesn't like something I tweeted in a question and She's going to make that my whole life and she wants me removed and I'm unsafe and I'm dangerous. Back to that quote. We've, we've equated safety with emotional discomfort, which is ridiculous. And when I responded, I responded forcefully because I am an adult. I am a grown woman and I've lived enough life and I've earned the right to speak and to defend myself, which I'm not going to do, by the way, to people who don't know me. People, folks, you got to get comfortable when you're an adult in this life with people not liking you. And no matter what I do in a situation like this, I can apologize. I could rent my garments. I could get on the campus and sit in the middle of campus and cry and tell everybody how sorry I was. And there are people who won't care, who won't listen, who will still call me names, who will still attack me and still say I should be removed. I should be gone. I should be banished. Let them do that. That's okay. That's their right to do that if that's what they want to do. But I think that folks out there need to know that if, again, you look at this example with the professor who was a black ball from MIT and then Princeton invited him. And if you look at what's going on at Suffolk College in the UK with the professor there who got into a dust up over gender identity 
and got came under fire, called names. They've gone to her home. They've threatened her. Campus security had to get in. The university had to put out a statement that we don't bully faculty. We don't ask for people to be fired and good for them for standing up. Um, people are getting sick of this. And we're going to wreck our country, folks. We're going to wreck our country if we keep going down this path because it is a dangerous path. It is un-American. It is not what we do here. We don't squash debate. We don't squash dissent. Young people, hear me on this. Let your voice be heard. Then have the respect and the honor to sit down, be quiet, and let that other person be heard too. And then you discuss. And if you don't agree at the end, that's fine. Walk away. But back to my conversation with Ricky, who I'm going to get onto this podcast because I loved her. What I loved about Ricky was I didn't know her from Adam. Like I said, she's married to someone I have known for 30 years. And uh, when Gina offered up a conversation, I was so excited because I just wanted to talk to somebody who understood all the issues I don't around LGBTQ community. And I wanted to listen, but I wanted to be heard. And Ricky, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, thank you for your kindness and your graciousness. You didn't curse at me. You didn't yell at me. You didn't assume anything about me. Thank you for telling me you're a fan of watching me on TV, even though you know that I'm a conservative Christian and have had some probably views on the LGBTQ community as I've evolved in the last decade that probably didn't feel good to you. And thank you that we could talk about it. And thank you for sharing how you put your foot in it a time or two with issues that you didn't know. And thank you for just treating me like a person. And and I learned a lot from you. And I'm looking forward to sharing it in this open letter that I'm going to be writing. And I just appreciated the respect and the dialogue. There are things you and I will never agree on. But boy, I really enjoyed talking to you. And I can't wait to have you on this podcast. So thank you. But folks, I'm going to leave it there. We're going to start the series uh, in November. I'm going to have great guests. I'm going to let them bring it to you. And I'm going to be balanced because it's important. Like I said, we're going to have LGBTQ folks on, African-American, Black Lives Matter activists. We're going to talk to conservatives. We're going to talk to some Federalist Society people. And, and I'm going to get these authors on because this book, The Coddling of the American Mind, is something every one of us needs to read. There's also a new book. I think it's called Wokeism. And I ordered that. And again, um, I don't have to agree with this, but I need to learn about it. And I need to, if I'm going to be a scholar, if I'm going to be a professor, a teacher, a leader in this country, then I am accountable for my words. I am. And again, I am going to get into my apology in detail in my open letter. And uh, I'll make sure that we read that into the podcast when it's out in public um, so that you can hear it. But I've taken a lot of time and I've taken a lot of counsel because I want the students at my university to know I love them and I care about them. And the students who've had me, who have been LGBTQ, have reached out. Uh, they have sent notes. They've sent texts. They've, they've contacted me. They've DM me. And they don't think I'm being treated very fairly right now. Same for the faculty who've reached out. But I would say to you, stop DMing me privately and stop hiding in the shadows and come out and stand up. And let everybody else know how you feel. Express your view. Don't hide. Don't be afraid. Sending me DMs and Facebook inboxes to encourage me are great. But that's not helping the situation. You have to make your voice heard. Don't shrink back. 
And to the LGBTQ community, you matter. You have every right that I have. You should be treated in every way that is decent and in order and humanely. And I ask you to sit and dialogue and to not let feelings about how somebody else sees you define you because that's not true. You have value, you have worth, and you have to define you for you. You have to feel good about you for you. You all know that I write inspirational books and aspirational books and and The Woman Code and, and Black Woman Redefined and E Pluribus One and the new book, Be the One You Need, comes out next year. And I get into some of this stuff uh, because I never want to be the source of having made someone feel bad or hurt them. And when I do, I'm going to own it. I'm going to woman up and we're going to talk about it. And I look forward to that dialogue when I get on campus. I look forward to you reading the open letter and the Q&As and all the things we're going to do so that I finally get equal time. And let me end the podcast with this. To you bullies out there, because you're bullies. You're cowards and you're bullies. And you know who I'm talking about. You know who you are. You're riling up the kids. You're stirring the pot because you're mad. Because you don't believe in academic freedom. You don't believe in free thought. You believe in censoring debate. You believe in only you being right. You believe in only your perspective being shared. That's who you are. That's what you believe in. I'm here to tell you, your time is limited. It's up because people are sick of it. They're not going to take it anymore. We're tired. And if you truly believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion, then you must have that diversity, equity, and inclusion include Christian people, straight, white males who may be more conservative, uh, people who are, have no uh, religious affiliations at all and don't even believe that there is a God uh, because they have a right to do that. And you have to understand that one community, the black community's rights are not superior to the Latino community's rights. The LGBTQ community's rights are not superior to the Asian community's rights. We're all in community together. And we need to work together and we need to check each other when we're wrong with love and compassion and grace, not nasty emails. And by the way, don't send me a crazy off the hook, nasty email and not expect me to respond. And to the professor, I think his name is, I don't know, Roche or something like that. What a cowardly thing you did. Tweeting out a screenshot of what I wrote, but not what was said to me. That's a smear. That's dirty. It's low. Shame on you. Shame on you. That makes you feel good. You keep doing it. But people see through it. And I've got 30 years of a professional reputation. And I've worked hard and I'm a decent, good person. And a lot of people know it. And there are going to be a lot of people that are going to stand up for me. And you may be surprised what they look like and where they come from and who they love. Yes, I do have gay friends. Long time, 30 year long LGBTQ friends. And they know who I am. And some of them have said to me, you know, Sophia, I erred because when I saw the tweet, I should have called you up, told you to take it down. And I said to them, no, that's not on you. That's on me. That's me. What I did was thoughtless. It was reckless. It wasn't wise. And as soon as I recognized that, I took it down. I stopped the debate on social media because we all know that doesn't go in a good place. And I waited patiently so I could get there and face my students, face my colleagues and talk. That's all I want to do is talk. So please stop attacking me. Please stop being unkind and nasty and mean and stop with all these forums and the protest. 
You haven't even let me have a say yet. You haven't heard from me. You haven't given me an opportunity. How would you like to be treated like that? And folks, remember the old saying, what are you going to do when they come for you? Because they always come. If this can happen to me and to other people, it can happen to you. So remember that. I'm looking forward to this series. I'm looking forward to this dialogue. Um, And I cannot wait for this cancel culture, call out culture, calling culture podcast series to kick off next month. It's going to be awesome. I love you guys. Stick with me. Pay attention. There's going to be a lot coming on my timeline in the next week or so. I'm having some surgery. I'll be down for a little bit. But you know, I'm never down and out. So I look forward to it. We'll talk to you soon. God bless America and God bless all of you.